This podcast is brought to you by CATV, building community in the Upper Valley through media. Welcome to our sixth episode of the Intersection Podcast with your host, Julius. This podcast is intended to promote different voices from the Upper Valley, sharing their experiences of the community and providing a forum for each participant to be heard without comment or judgment. Our guest today will remain anonymous and we invite you, listener, to simply listen. What is your personal vision or definition of community? My personal vision of community has a lot to do with family ties, having people close to you who are there to support you and take care of you, to help you out, to see you through hard times, to be available, to provide guidance, to share knowledge, wisdom, experience. Yeah, that's pretty much what my definition of community is. What in your experience has shaped your vision of community? The thing that's been the most important in shaping my vision of community is the probably large portion of my adult life that I spent living in France, where I had the benefit of joining a very strong family community that was my uh, partner's community. My partner is French and was born and raised in the town that we moved to after we married. And my experience of community at that time was very much constructed by the experiences that I had living very near my parents-in-law, very near my husband's brothers and sisters, cousins, aunts, uncles, a huge network of family that was so rooted in that particular space, which was in relatively small city south of Paris. His family had been there for decades and decades and probably even (laughs) millennia, come to think of it. Very much a family that was of that place sharing experiences of what it was like to grow up during World War II, during the bombardment of the city, what it was like, you know, when the city was occupied, what it was like for their ancestors coming from more rural areas into that space, into that city, and just all of that lived history that they would share around a table, around a huge meal. That was sort of the, the ritual, the ritual of community that we had in that place was very much the family coming together and reminiscing about the places, the people, the city, the land, all of the history that was there. And that was a regular and very natural way that community was experienced. And that was something I had never experienced as a young adult growing up in the U.S., mainly on the West Coast. My family was very much a nuclear family that was far away from all other sort of layers. My grandparents lived in Pennsylvania, in Ohio, in Arizona. They were kind of spread out across the United States. I saw them very infrequently, and the, there wasn't a lot of love lost, I would say, in terms of those family ties. So my experience of that type of community was completely not something that was in my realm of experience when I first went to France 
And it's something that I found obviously very strongly in my husband's family, but even in other relationships that I had with other people that I met during my time in France, it was very frequently sort of the experience of a lot of the people I frequented, very much closer bond to place than what I grew up with, where my family was pretty much able to root around in different cities, different work experiences, and there wasn't really that sense of the fabric of, of history and time and place in my own experience before moving to France. How do you experience community here in the Upper Valley? In the Upper Valley, it's different. It's certainly a much more patchwork of experiences that I have with groups of people interested in similar things as myself. It feels a little more randomized to a certain extent. I don't really feel like there's a solid groundwork of community like what I experienced when I was in France. I certainly have managed to find people who who support me and who I can support, but it's it's more of an immediate thing. It's more of friendships that are built over random experiences um, shared, and then and then one thing leads to another, and you start to develop a, a kind of friendship and support system. But definitely not as sort of inherent or as as strong as anything I experienced when I was in France. Going back to your experience in France. You mentioned a rural area, which is similar to the Upper Valley. What is the differences between the community that you experienced in France compared to the community here in the Upper Valley? The community, well, I would say like the people that were surrounding me when I was in France, it was a much more diversified population. Not that France is the most open-minded or tolerant country when it comes to race or gender or <laughs> social classes or anything like that, but just the sense of diversity that was there that you would really be exposed to people of very different cultural backgrounds, people from North Africa, people from West Africa, people from elsewhere in Europe, Portugal, Spain. Spain. There were layers of immigration that were visible in the fabric of daily life in the city I lived in in France. And here in the Upper Valley, I find that it's a lot more simply stated white, <laughs> very homogeneous. And of course, it's not saying it's there's no diversity, but it's such a huge difference in the amount of variety of people, of cultures and languages even that I experienced when I was in France versus what I have been exposed to here in the Upper Valley. What do you do to build community, and how do you build it? I don't really feel like I do much to build community, honestly. I am not one to initiate doors opening or reaching out. When I first arrived in the Upper Valley, that was about almost seven years ago now, you know, I took some time to kind of land and, and see what was going on around me and made some decisions about where I wanted to land and live in this area and was really attracted to, to White River Junction initially. And so I took some time to kind of look at what was going on and I, you know, I noticed that there was a pretty active landscape of possibilities of things to do and ways to meet people potentially. And I kind of dipped my toe in a little bit at a time and experienced different groups of people doing different things. So it could be things like sports activities like yoga or or dance or other things that, you know, were of interest to me related to things like 
writing or different activities going on in the Upper Valley. So I did kind of get involved, politics, that type of thing. I didn't really feel all that comfortable going into some of these situations. It felt like there were a lot of barriers to just what I would consider sort of the ability to open things, really open things and really feel welcomed. I didn't really feel very welcomed in many of the environments. It was more like kind of the way I would describe it is like jumping on a moving train, you know, and you're kind of disoriented and like, well, okay, so no one's really going to talk to me here in this space. So I think it's been a really slow process. And as I mentioned before, my experience of of life in France was kind of like I had this instant community. It was almost too much for me at the time when I was younger, sort of having a whole family unit available with all its problems and, and possibilities. Here, I've really felt kind of isolated, maybe just because there is no sense of family. I don't know anyone Uh, outside of my nuclear (laughs) family that I've created. So building community is certainly not one of my strengths. And well, you know, I could do more. I could be more of a, a person who initiates contact and opportunity. But there are, yeah, I think there are a lot of barriers to that. Think about a time when you felt like you were a valued member of a upper valley community. Have I ever felt like a valued member of the Upper Valley community? On a very small scale, I would say I felt a great sense of belonging with the the people who I dance with, just a very small group of women who who like to dance and who get together every so often (laughs) and dance. (laughs) And certainly just participating in that has been... I don't know, really rewarding on the level of just discovering sort of the possibilities of what we can do very simply, especially in the time of COVID, as we were restricted and couldn't really gather inside, just taking the opportunity to have a small community of of like-minded people come together and take the activity outside, take it anywhere, anywhere you can do it, anywhere that makes sense. So keeping things very simple and intentional in terms of making a base and a time to to share sort of a ritual around just letting loose a little bit. <laughs> I think that has been probably in my experience since moving to the Upper Valley, probably the time that I felt the most a part of something is just in those in those instances. Why was this experience positive for you? How did it make you feel? I guess when I'm with my friends who I dance with, I feel like we, I mentioned the word ritual. Yeah, like we have sort of a community built around a shared moment that's, as I said, very intentional where we're, you know, coming together with a clear sort of boundary on what it is that we're going to do and just sharing a moment, sharing an intention around, yeah, having, you know, the right music, the right flow to things, the space that nature offers, and yeah, just kind of communing in that no matter what the weather, (laughs) snow, sleet, hail, (laughs) rain, sun. (laughs) All season, all year round. All seasons, yeah, yeah. I want to kind of go back a little bit about your experience in France. So the size of a community does not really 
define how a community should be? No, I don't think so. I think it has a lot more to do with um, other factors. It's not really the you know, the number of people. I think you could go either smaller or much, much larger and having a a strong sense of, you know, what does it look like when we're really opening ourselves to including others and, and making people, helping people develop a sense of belonging. Yeah, I, I feel like there have been cities I've lived in. I'm thinking of a time I lived in Seattle, Washington, for example. Even though the urban environment can be really alienating, it did really feel much more neighborly uh, than, than, for example, my experience in the Upper Valley has been. And then taking it down to a smaller scale, obviously, like I'm thinking of some of the villages that I've been in in France that are, you know, very rural, where kind of everybody knows everybody else. And obviously, I don't know what it's like to to integrate that kind of community in the long term. But in the short term, I've had some really positive experiences in those situations. So I don't think it has anything to do with size as a baseline. It has a lot more to do with just um, attitude and kind of the mindset that people have. What would you like to see more of to encourage inclusion in our community? (sighs) That's a really hard question for me because... I don't do it myself, <laughs> you know. I I feel like it's such basic behavior. It's that ability to really open yourself to others, to to smile and welcome and, and kind of encourage by dialoguing, by really having some some conversation. And I know that, you know, there are moments when that happens and and there are others where I feel like there's a lot of, of missed opportunity, but it, it's hard to sort of put your finger on exactly what it is. You know, I've been in the same job the entire time I've been here in the Upper Valley, and I really don't feel like I've cultivated deep relationships with my colleagues, for example. I don't really know what that is about, having had experiences, as I mentioned, in in other other countries and with other cultures. And I've worked with people in Denmark quite a bit. And even though they were not necessarily long-term work relationships, some of them went quite deep, like really feeling a part of a team, really feeling like we were accomplishing something together. So it's hard to to say exactly what it is about the loosely termed the culture of the Upper Valley that makes that much more challenging. Speaking of challenges, is it something that you can challenge yourself to do maybe more of? Or do you think you've done everything you needed to do? I would say, yeah, probably there's more I could do. There's probably a lot more I could do. Get more involved, do some volunteer work, find ways to support the people in my life who who I care about. Yeah, kind of demonstrate more belonging. It's interesting because I'm, I'm thinking about in this moment the focus that we put on our our immediate family right like our spouses our children our partners and I feel like that was kind of how I was raised so it's really easy for me to revert to that position of not necessarily building community sort of laterally in a way that that might be more meaningful yeah so I think there is definitely the possibility of challenging myself more and asking myself when I start to kind of pull back into my mode of like just taking care of my immediate people. Uh, How can I do that in a way that's more expansive? Think about a time when you felt like you were excluded from an Upper Valley community and what were their circumstances? 
it may or may not be a, a true feeling. Uh, well, it's a true feeling of exclusion, not necessarily due to specific community circumstance. But uh, when I first moved to the Upper Valley and my partner was still struggling with uh, getting proper visa things sorted uh, to be able to actually live and work in the U.S. I had a period of time, so this was very early on in my new job, where I basically was functioning as a single mom, where my partner had returned to France, and I had my two children in my care, and I was doing my full-time job. And I remember very clearly one of the first days after my partner had had gone back to France that my youngest child who was in daycare at the time basically went to daycare in the morning and within like an hour I think I was at, at my desk at work and I got a phone call from the daycare provider saying you must come immediately and pick up your child your child has a fever of I don't know what it was like 100 or something and you know, and your child needs to be fever-free without the aid of any medication for 24 hours before returning your child to me. And I just remember like having this moment of complete panic and just like sobbing at my desk. Like, what do I do? Right? What do I do? I don't have anyone to call. I don't have any, anyone to help. I don't have any network here whatsoever. The way I would have, you know, had I been in France with my mother-in-law and my father-in-law nearby or an aunt or someone who could have helped out and of course the other point in that being (laughs) my daycare provider in France would always take my kid even with a slight fever just because they were much more adaptable and not really regulated to the same degree I suppose so that moment of just feeling like oh, this is how this is going to be. You know, this is what this means, this coming back to the U.S. and and living and working in this time, in this space is, you know, you're a single mom and you're basically screwed, you know. You're, you know, if if I had an employer who wasn't understanding, that would be such an easy thing to be like, oh, sorry, you no, you can't just up and leave and go take care of your kid. You know, you don't have time off yet. You just started working here. So, I mean, in that moment, I felt, very isolated, very alienated. And, you know, yeah, I did feel excluded from that sense of a community that I had, you know, taken for granted, I guess, um, when I was in France, that that sense of there's a fabric here to support me. Uh, And it kind of just made it really obvious to me that the, the sort of systems that are in place are not amenable to to these types of situations. And all I could think of, I mean, very similarly to, to some some of the, the sort of moments of just like, oh, wow, aha. You know, what is it like? What would it be like if I were like really a single mom without enough money to get by working a minimum wage job with, you know, having to sort of punch the clock? What would I do? What would I do? Why was this experience challenging to you? I think it just drew a really stark line around how hard it is to kind of get by if you don't have a community. I felt that really deeply like in my body as a, like, wow, like really feeling alone with your responsibilities and obligations. And of course, I'm speaking from a place of a great privilege because I even have a child care provider or, you know, a job. (laughs) 
<laughs> to to worry about but nevertheless I think that's that definitely was a feeling of just like being really a little bit lost like what yeah trying to figure out what what solution is even possible how did you respond you know now that I think about it I don't really know I can't remember I think I just went and had a conversation with my boss who at the time was a Dane and I think who could kind of understand what my struggle was because you know he had come from a different country with a very different social fabric as well so it was kind of like okay don't worry about it you'll you know take some work home and you can you can do some things from home and you know we can accommodate that and just take care of your kid and if, if memory serves, I just muddled through. Probably called my husband sobbing a few times. <laughs> how did that make you feel when she told you that you can take work home and just work? How did you feel? Uh, well, reassured. Definitely, you know, helped me feel a little bit better about the the situation I was in, that I had made this choice to, to come to this particular job and that it was it was probably going to be okay, that maybe some of the pressure I was feeling was uh, pressure that I was creating for myself. How would you work with a similar feeling or situation in the future? I don't know if I'll ever have that feeling again just because I'm older now and my children are older and I don't really rely on daycare anymore. I guess in general I would say I probably just take a few breaths and now I have a little bit more of a network I could potentially rely upon to support me in that situation. What would have supported you to feel included in this moment? Well, certainly having a daycare provider who who could at least, you know, be a little more... (laughs) a little more adaptable and not give me the sort of reading of the regulations rather than like, I'm really sorry, you know, that this is happening. Any kind of empathy, I think, at that moment would have been helpful. I just felt like I was up against sort of a, a brick wall of, of here's the, the legalese around what needs to happen right now. I would have preferred a human touch, I think. A human touch? Yeah. Thank you. To our day's guests for sharing their experience in this inclusion and exclusion in the Upper Valley. If you would like to lend your voice and your experience to this podcast, please contact us at intersections, I-N-T-E-R-S-E-C-T-I-O-N-S at C-A-T-V, the number eight, dot org. Thanks again for our guest. And we hope to hear from anyone soon. Thank you for listening to CATV Podcasts. If you found this episode interesting and would like to find more Upper Valley content at CATV, please visit our website at catv8.org. That is C-A-T-V, the number eight, dot org. You can find all of our podcasts under the listen section on our homepage.